everyone, and welcome to episode number 98 of the Spoiler Cast. I'm your host, Dan, and I'm joined by Barra. Hey, everyone. And Tristan. My next character's gonna be a Bardificer. <laughs> nice. Spoiler Cast is your look, different, <laughs> different time periods of, uh, of what we've been watching, cons- playing, consuming. Um, something that is rife with spoilers. We talk about it and uh, give you our thoughts from start to finish. Today, we're talking about a movie which just came out, which is the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie, which is the second Dungeons and Dragons. Two timely spoiler casts in a row? (laughs) What is Uh, this? I'm a monster. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, it's great. Hopefully this time without as much desyncing issues as we had last time. Oh my god, oh we are boy. so sorry Listen, for last episode. Um, I don't know what, what happened there, but we'll hopefully hopefully it doesn't happen this time. Uh, anyway, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, which I believe is the second D&D movie that's been made. We don't talk about the first one. Okay, we don't talk about the first one. I've never seen it. Tristan has seen it. I have not um, seen it. That is, that is, yeah, that is yeah. with reference to the first one. We've all seen the new one. Uh, directed by John Francis Daly. Um, and John Goldstein. John Francis Daly, I know from Bones. He is the psychiatrist guy. Yeah. I was... Wait, really? The psychiatrist guy in Jones on Bones directed the D and D movie? Yep. Yeah. That's that <laughs> seems so fucking fitting. It seems like uh-huh. his character would direct the D and D movie. Wow. He was also he was also in Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, so he's a. Uh... He has like yeah. a big pedigree of like working with nerdiness people yes. for a very long time. And yeah, also wow. Wow. I'm oh, not he directed with... the Game Night movie too. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with Jonathan Goldstein, but it seems like their partnership, sort of like Daniel's. Like it seems like they direct things and write things together. Just looking at Interesting. the Just looking at a quick quick write up. But um we're going to talk about the D&D movie, Honor Among Thieves, so there are full spoilers. We're going to talk about what we thought about the movie, the overall story. Um, all three of us have a good amount of D&D experience under our belts, um, so we're going to talk about that angle of things. Um, Tristan, you want to talk about the cinematic universe at some point for D&D and how it <laughs> relates to the games. And we'll just talk about it from our perspective as players and DMs suppose as well so with that all in mind i'll shut up now and give the floor to my my wonderful friends if you want to talk about how you felt about the movie overall sure uh, oh you, you go first, I, i'll say honestly it was better than i was expecting mm-hmm. i went in with really low expectations and yeah it was a bit predictable at times um but honestly yeah uh i i was expecting this to be like a five out of 10 it was probably more of like an eight yeah Uh, yeah i I came in from the opposite end. i think i I was expecting it to be a good movie uh not blow my socks off um good but like i expected it to be good and i was not disappointed i think i came in expecting like to be like around seven or well so well actually eight i mean like i'm a mark for this too which is the other thing that to keep in mind like i'm I started playing D&D when I was 13 years old. It's been 
a beloved companion in my life. Um, definitely one of my more productive hobbies, I would say, in terms of like encouraging imagination and friendship and all this other good stuff, keeping in touch with old friends. Like D and D is great. Um, go play D and D; it's awesome. Or other tabletop <laughs> role playing games. But all that being there said, I'm a fucking mark for a actual good D and D movie. Not to mention mm-hmm. the other shit that they did that we'll get into that I'm a mark for. Uh, but you know, my my lovely and uh, understanding girlfriend. He does not play D anD D, and she really enjoyed it quite a bit as yeah. well. Um, well, because because yeah. it's a good heist movie on its own. Right, right. And heist movies are great. I'm a. Oh yeah. Uh, if, if, if we're talking, uh, if we're talking, uh, if, if we're talking marks and stuff, like you know, I get from my mother just loving a great heist movie, and I think that was the smart thing was to frame the whole adventuring party situation through like the easiest kind of like opening lens which is that adventurers are themes that um that do good um because there's from time to time yeah i mean because because there's definitely different other ways that you could frame your party etc um like you know that's an adventurer's guild or like you know you work for the church or you know you're mercenaries or revolutionaries etc but like you know especially going with the thieves uh the, the, the 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 thieves oceans 11 angle also, just like guess the fact that you know players are also kind of like murder goblins who love to steal shit. And, uh, oh yeah, that, that uh, uh, so I, I like that linked into it. Um, other thing that's fat, kind of fascinating, is, is that in terms of Jonathan Go- of jo- with Jonathan Goldstein, who is also quite a bit older than uh, than than his co-director, um, but he's primarily a screenwriter. And another movie that he directed in terms of like well received nerd tent poles as he actually i mean that he wrote he was the writer for, he was a writer on spot the writer for spider-man homecoming yeah so which was uh yeah. i would say pretty excellent in that it um the vulture in that is still one probably among my favorite marvel villains basically because he's right <laughs> <laughs> the vulture is right peter's just a teenager so he doesn't understand that he's right <laughs> But the real true villain in that whole movie is Tony Stark. And by the way, Tony Stark's ghost and his army of uh, murderous drones are the real villain in uh, in the second Spider-Man movie as well. Um, the whole of the Marvel Spider-Man thing is Tony Stark is actually a terrifying villain, but the starstruck teenager who he's nice to can't really wrap his head around it because he's a fucking teenager from Queens. Yeah. <laughs> Sidetrack over. <laughs> Sidetrack over. Um, they do a good job of really capturing the sort of like zany stupidity of a standard <laughs> campaign, right? Agreed. Um, the uh, for anyone who's curious, uh, Chris Pine's character Edgin is obviously not a bard. So you know what's funny? Is he's not a have, bard. Well, he's so, a rogue with expertise and performance. Well, you know what's interesting about this, Tristan, is D and D, in support of this movie, put out character stat blocks for all of the characters. Oh, and for yes, so you can go on like I think it's like D and D Beyond. I think is where they have it, and you can mm-hmm. actually download for free all of the magic items because and, nerds love stats. Yes. Well, also, you know, from the angle of somebody who's new, who's maybe a kid or somebody who just hasn't played, is on the fence and sees the movie and wants to get into it, it's a nice starting yeah. point to say, okay, 
that's that's how you tie these creatures and these players or these characters into your game which is cool but anyway uh that's uh what, what were the so what are the so was he an actual bard in in staff yes awesome. yes so what's what's interesting to me is that they didn't have classes for some of the characters and some of the villains mm-hmm. but they did have one for the one character which i was on the fence about which was Chris Pine's character, Edgen. Interesting. <laughs> and they, yeah, and I'm like, no. They, they call him guys, the bard. They call him guys, the bard. He doesn't cast any spells. He doesn't provide yeah. bardic inspiration. But he uses sneak attack. Yeah. So they did... I, I didn't read it, but I heard that they put something in there of why he wasn't using magic. Um, uh, but that that is interesting. Uh, I also loved that they had the guy from Bridgerton being like the paladin who is like, oh yes, the obvious DMPC. You mean it yes. was it, it, yes. it was he's such a DMPC. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. It also they like, like okay, okay, you chuckle fucks. It's like uh, I, here's the paladin <laughs> who's going to help you guys get the actual sh- done. Jesus but Christ. then he has to leave <laughs> yep, because otherwise he, has to leave. he plays the adventure itself. Because yep. because reasons. No, that, <laughs> also yeah. also he gets a one on one fight with the sub boss. Yeah, the irony is a yeah. blade that cuts two line two ways line, which is like Mwah! chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, and uh, also yeah. also I was super distracted the whole time he was on set though because uh, Roger Jean Page looks remarkably like someone who went to college with Barra and I. Really? Who? Oh, really? Zaire. Ah, I, 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 uh, I didn't get that. I didn't get that at all. Like, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, that's freaky. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that at all. I mean, maybe just, you know, the, the, the overall cool confidence. I definitely got that. Um, uh, but, you know, no, not, not, not the looks particularly. Um, I, I think Day actually posted something on Facebook earlier today. Yeah, like like drawing that comparison, and I was like, "That's what was doing it." No, I mean it's uh, it, it, again, different people see different stuff. I do think that the, the oh, cool, yeah. calm, and collectedness was was definitely was definitely Zaire there, um, one thousand oh, yeah. percent. Um, and uh, also, I mean, Hugh Grant and the chewing of the scenery was of course lovely, but and the oh, spoiler in yeah. the end where Hugh Grant is like the betraying villain is like fleeing and then he trips and then Ray Jump is just like calmly pursuing him. <laughs> it was just like that was just like remarkable. It's like oh Oh no Jonathan no <laughs> Yeah the, I, I can I also say that I don't know what it is. Uh I mean I think it is because these things are real, but I love that in the opening scene that they had the dragonborn and the Avon be people in really nicely made prosthetic rubber suits. Like, oh, for yeah. whatever reason, that made it feel so much more real to me than digital bullshit. And I'm a total mark for practical effects. And yeah, that joke oh, about, you know, him grabbing the bird man, jumping out the window, even after they've given the pardon. Um, and it was also we just like in terms party. of showing, not telling that they do this and then they check that he's alive before heading out. It's like, okay, this is a beautiful way to show people's character and also that mm-hmm. they're also kind of dumbasses. The the um the the line of we were gonna approve your pardon 
came straight out of the DM's lips. <laughs> yeah. That was just that, the DM just breaking the fourth wall. I I overthought that whole scene. I really thought that Edgen was making all of that that backstory up. <laughs> like as a de- big a giant deception check. And then I realized like towards the end, no, he's just a player reading their character's backstory at the beginning of the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, during session zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, oh, it's delightful. There, there, there was one moment in the film that I wanted it to break the fourth wall and immediately cut to a group of people around a table. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that was the scene where the painting is put face down. Yeah. I really wanted that to be the one moment where it would just immediately cut to like a shot of. A group of people around a table with dice and characters and minis and stuff and go it's face down why would they do that that's stupid why would anyone store a painting like that no and then immediately cut back and just never address it ever again no i i i think that um yeah that that i i thought the whole thing with the painting the heist was just delightful um yeah i think that now they're thinking with portals you know what's interesting about this the whole movie is it did it really did feel to me like the the scenes especially that part with the painting were so preposterous that i feel like they actually played D &D yeah and like just capture whatever they did that was the movie. <laughs> no, I, and I thought that the way they did the party was was pretty great um, as well. Uh, I thought that all the actors really, really did a good, a damn good job of just like making it, uh, making it, of just like really like chewing it up, making it work. Um, I think that I love Chris Evans, um, but I know Chris Pine is making the, the great case that he may have been the, the best Chris all along. But then again, I remember that I love the Thor movies too. So it's like, but Chris Pine, he, he throws down in this. He's, he is absolutely delightful. Um, oh, yeah. And I mean, I'd be curious. I also say that, like, I appre- it's what's interesting to me, and I haven't seen much pushback from, like, the worst fucking people on the internet. Um, but it's interesting because it's very much just keeping, keeps in with the art style that D&D has had for at least as long as I've been actively playing and buying the books, where it's just like D&D for its, especially for its human characters, uh, emphasizes like a very wide range of like uh, of, of ethnicities and such with people and skin tones, mm-hmm. etc. Um, but I like that they just fully embrace that with this movie. They're like, yeah, no, we're going to have a proudly multi-racial, multi-gender class, uh, uh, multi-gender party and cast and uh which just not going to oh, be yeah. a thing <laughs> you're just going to deal with also, it or no, you're, you're just going to deal with it and you're going to like it this is a multiracial fantasy world and it's also run where not everybody has a fucking british accent and i fucking love that yes. that was like Thanks from God. day one it was like the fact that they had chris pine you know keep his american accent um, gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the barbarian lady's actress, but I love Michelle Rodriguez. They, keeping Full Michelle Rodriguez, keeping her accent was awesome. Also, really cool. Also, it's holy just like shit. Michelle Rodriguez got ripped for this role. I yeah yeah I don't like yeah. damn yeah. good on you girl. No, she was those she was are, those great. Are some impressive gains, and it looks really good on her. So 
I mean, like, we, we love games. Holy shit, though. Uh, it, also, also, I love, I love her backstory with her husband. <laughs> and it's really obvious that both of these people have a type. Yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs> and it's just really unfortunate that their specific circumstances don't work out. And that they recognize that and are still cool. You know, it was, um, I loved... That was really nice and wholesome. Bradley Cooper as, like, a wholesome cottagecore hobbit is the content I didn't need, no, I needed one. Um, and also, I just loved that the movie really, which with the relationship with Michelle Rodriguez and, uh, the, um, and, and Chris Pine, with Barbarian and Chris Pine's Bard, that they just also just, like, normalized, like, close male-female friendship, that, like... Oh, yeah. That there's these are two people who are both heterosexual, but both very much not into each other, but also who co-parent a girl, a little girl, to the point where like you know spoilers, but like the big thing it is <laughs> that he's trying to reconcile with his daughter and bring his wife back from the dead, and in the end, his daughter who never knew was his wife, he realizes that oh, the person who I actually need to be bring back from the dead is Michelle Rodriguez when she dies in the final fight because that's who yeah. she considers her mom to be. So it was like I felt that that was healthy and good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just felt it was a good fucking movie. It was, what do you think, Dan? Yeah, We've was, been, Dan Tris and I have been, like, hyping and gushing. Well, no, gushing you know, it's interesting. This is, um, this is spoilers for, spoilers for the next, like, 30 seconds for Pixar and specifically the movie Onward. Have you all seen Onward? I enjoyed Onward. I Onward, Onward is pretty fun. Did you see it, Tristan? I did not. Okay, then never mind. I won't say anything. You can open your ears again. You can go right ahead. Oh, well, it had a similar it had a similar backstory to never mind. I'm going to spoil it. It had a similar backstory to the end of Onward, where and it's actually kind of funny, kind of funny because that's that one's steeped in D and D as well. Like that's like a, a central theme to that movie. It has a similar ending where it's like the whole movie they're trying to find their dad and they realize that the older brother was the dad the whole time type thing it had a similar it had a similar analog to me it did it did um i i do agree that that found family thing was wasn't both like modern was definitely in both modernized family fit family movies um although i also thought it was it was different enough that um yeah. that i think it, it still worked. but yeah they did use that classic beat they're like you know the fa the the father or mother figure you were looking for all along um was, uh, yeah. was was there? Which again, I I'd forgotten that that was uh, about that, but uh, but yeah, no, and and for the record, um, yeah, like Onward is definitely a, a pretty pretty excellent movie. If you love if you love random fantasy shit and um and uh, and like in vans, um, it, it is for you. Uh, always love a a good heavy metal van character. Yeah, that was one of the that was one of the parts I felt was probably the most predictable. Mm. As soon as they bring back bring up a it's a thing that can bring one person back from the dead yeah one time i'm like okay it's either gonna be chris pine or holga you know what's funny is i didn't i didn't even think about me it neither at the end when it when it was happening they were like she's dead and i was like oh, oh my god i wasn't even thinking about the fact that he literally had just picked up a resurrection tablet like three yep. minutes ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, 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 that shit as soon as it was a plot item, as soon as it was a MacGuffin, I'm like, oh, okay. It's, it's, it, yeah. one, one, one thing that I find, I found, one thing that I found interesting about the end of the movie, though, in all seriousness, when we're talking about that scene 
when they resurrect um, Olga, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character, is that it had a little bit more of an emotional gut punch for me than I was expecting it to have. And I think a part of it was I was thinking the whole, especially towards the end of the movie, I was thinking about like actually experiencing D&D with people. And I was starting to, I was starting to insert myself into, um, instead of watching a movie, I was almost inserting myself in like a DM role or a player role mm. with these characters and thinking about like, if this was our party, like how would I feel? And I think that provided a little bit more emotional weight than I was, than I was expecting at least. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think that it's so, yeah, I, I think that the movie definitely made you care about the characters. Um, they definitely, I appreciated that each of them had their own, had their, uh, had their own little arcs. Um, whereas, you know, with like the tiefling lady, uh, getting to like, like, like human beings to someone again to, you know, like, uh, magical, uh, magical half elf dude being like, okay, um, I actually can can do magic. Chris Pine with the family thing, um, Helga with the Helga with the family, and also the romance angle, the paladin for just being the best ever. Um, and uh, and yeah, and I mean, there was a good villain too. I mean, you know, I I appreciated that the as I said the that their the rogue who betrayed them was uh you know that he was working a scheme to basically just like steal all the treasure for people betting on these games in exchange for giving the red wizards the ability to create a zombie army and i like that the red wizard lady was appropriately like scary and menacing and that that final mm -hmm. fight was both awesome and also like solved by like a pretty cool like movie logic thing at the end we're like yeah no we're gonna we're gonna take your take your magic and uh the owl bear was just delightful. Like that was the cutest fucking thing. So, so, uh, in the campaign that Dan and I were in, uh, yeah. a while ago, <laughs> one of our one of our players, a uh, friend of the cast, Dave Jackson, uh, was playing a half orc fighter named Thumpfist, <laughs> and poor Thumpfist. Um, who spent most of the campaign uh, mind controlled by his sword, which was smarter than him, <laughs> uh, had a terrible fear of owl bears. <laughs> this is something he had he had written into his character backstory. And as soon as I saw the movie, I posted on our on our uh, Discord for the group. Yeah, so I saw you know I, I saw D and D pretty good thumpfist would have hated it <laughs> and as far as i know he has not yet seen it and i am just waiting for that little nugget to finally germinate yep and for him to go oh that's what tris meant <clears throat> the one that, so on the subject of the owlbear and the the um the tiefling druid one thing i do find interesting is i'm not by any means going to pretend to be like a rules lawyer when it comes to translating the movie to the games but from what i understand the druid is the least played or the most the, the least popular class in D, &D right it's now probably it's probably monk or ranger yeah i think based on some statistics they did they actually suggested the druid was which shocked me as well yeah um but it's it's down there. It's it's low. It's, it's definitely it's lower. lower. It is lower. It, 
I'm curious if a lot of people are going to see this movie and say, I, I want to be a druid. And then they're going to pull up D&D. And books. find out that druids... <laughs> that druids... Take it home, Dan. Can't do anything that the druid can do. <laughs> this yep. Movie. Yep. <laughs> oh. Oh. Like, at all, now, like, unless you're level 20 for, like, the unlimited wild shaping... And even then, wild shaping, and then owl, you can't you can't, you can't turn into an owl bear, an owl bear, yeah. Which, <laughs> which. So, so here's my rebuttal. So here's my rebuttal <laughs> to this. So first of all, all of the uses of wild shape, though, right? That ain't that isn't in the game, unless you're level twenty. But it is still something a druid can do. It's a good way of kind of showing off, like. Like, this is a core ability of druids in the game. It's their ability to wild shape. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and it it's way more, like, interesting and, like, visually arresting and exciting to have lots of transformations. Yeah. When, realistically, she could have just wild shaped into a fly and buzzed off. And good luck finding a single specific fly in the fucking city of Neverwinter. Mm-hmm. Right, but not uh, having the multiple changes like it's it's exciting. It makes for a good chase scene. It, it flows very narratively. Uh, it lets the deer joke land. Yep. Land, yeah. Yep. The deer, lets the deer joke land. As for the whole owl bear thing, motherfucker, let druids become interesting shit. Wizards of the Coast. I believe they revised the rules to allow that to happen now. They they actually. They nerfed it actually. What? They nerfed it in one. They've nerfed it in one D and D. But we'll see if that changges. Yeah, look up the rules there after it's, this. Is super dumb. Yeah. Is super. They actually dumb. made it worse. What? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just trust. Just, yeah. just trust in the fact that Wizards of the Coast is making shit worse, which I hate to fucking say. Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that like, I, I the nice thing about Dungeons and Dragons. As a hobby, and I'll say this is someone who you know, homebrew it. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'll say this is someone yeah. who like wasn't a big fan of fourth edition, and so just kept on playing. Nobody was. No, there are a few people who really liked fourth edition and are there are big a few. Well, on the whole, defenders fourth edition is rightly derided. Right, um, and, and I agree. I, that I, is that is a that is a bog standard nerd opinion that I agree with. Mainly because yeah. what I like fourth edition fourth edition is apparently a very good miniatures like you know combat simulator and for a lot of folks you know since D is a very combat heavy game they're like okay this was the best combat version of it why are you complaining but like you know D is also a game that shoehorns in a lot of other stuff that yes other systems may do better but the whole DD experience is having a lot of combat with other shoehorn things in there and i liked how 3.5 did it and uh so we just continued playing 3.5 when 4 was the yeah. only other thing available Pathfinder came along, which was literally like, hey, everyone who's playing 3.5, we're going to do a game where we're going to continue to riff on and incorporate things that you guys have already done in your homebrews. And then 5th was, you know, I was I, I like a lot of 5th. There's some things I'm not terribly crazy about, um, but it's overall, I think, a pretty damn good system. The game has boomed in 5th edition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this, the oh, yeah. it's what's going to be interesting to me is the 1D&D updates and how people respond and stuff to them because I do think that 
we now we've had enough play people playing fifth and do and um and who have the books etc and who have gotten like the D and D you basically just do your homebrew shit anyways that it's it's going to be interesting to see a far bigger group of people in the hobby um oh, react yeah. to um an addition hitting the rules it, yeah 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 and uh so yeah. if that makes sense i mean what do you what do you think about all that dan just big as someone who you know uh, as someone who i think who came in Before, fifth, if i remember really correctly. quick really quick though really quick yeah um i just want to do a quick little plug for something an indie something indie here mm-hmm. right great for anyone who really liked fourth edition's combat because fourth edition did the miniature combat and the stuff really well i'll give it that um, but if you want a series that is doing it better and cooler, uh, check out Icon by Massive Press. They're the same guys behind Lancer. And Icon is th- sort of their take on that style of tabletop combat. And it is super fucking cool. Uh, right now, it is still, I believe, in playtest, so you can get all the rules for free. Nice, we'll check it out, and I'll I'll, um, I'll put a link to this in the stat block, D and D stat blocks that I talked about earlier in the nice in the description in, uh, in the descriptions for the the podcast and the website. No, I, I I think that that is all. That's all really that that's a that that sounds awesome. Um, but yeah, Dan, as yeah. someone who came in with fifth, what are your thoughts about you know? how the community is going to, you know, like deal with and incorporate both the one D and D stuff. And also just like the general boom that you, I would say that pretty accurately, correct me if I'm wrong, that you were a part of that you became started playing D and D with, with the boom. I was. Yeah. And are you a 3.5? I, person I, or a 3.5? I was someone who started playing when I started playing at 13, I came in with the first third edition book and yeah. that was another boom. Third edition and yep. third edition was something that really expanded the game. Um, from, yes, it did. And so third edition expanded the game, and fifth took it to like this level of popularity heretofore like not seen before it. Like yep. people playing it in schools regularly, celebrities talking about their games openly, except like uh, uh, openly, etc. Just like D and D has become a, if not cool thing, a quite normalized activity to do with your friends yeah and i will have my downer segment in a bit okay i want dan to go first but yeah dan dan but yes you okay. you came in with the boom so what are your thoughts about like you know both the one dnd and the boom and stuff in general with it so with regards to fifth edition my thoughts i think it's great that people are getting into it and it's talked about widely it's actually really funny you see it in lots of different places and one of my you know i'm not somebody who watches like barstool sports by mm-hmm. any means but I, one of my groups that i run D for all came from barstool sports because they had some podcast where they like these sports you know bros played D, mm-hmm. and they were you know they were kind of making fun of it at first but then they were like yo this is actually really fun and <laughs> I think a lot of people from that from that demographic got into got into D and D and wanted to learn more and play. That's it. So and funny. That group's been playing with me for like three years now. That's awesome. Like we we did we did an entire Curse of Strahd nice. campaign, the entire nice. thing. That's awesome. Um, 
an hour and another long one because we like pain. Uh, if you could actually complete a D&D campaign, that's always, like, a mark of honor. Uh, in my... yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I I did the first... I played a lot of D&D in high school, um, and I completed my first one, like, you know, as, as a DM and, like, in college and such. And I'm about to complete one as a player now. And it's like, yeah, it, it's a... It takes a lot of dedication, and uh, I, I think Zoom makes it a lot easier now too. Um, mm-hmm. That's what's got me playing yep. with my high school friends again. But uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, that's awesome. But but yeah, you're setting up the so you're you all like pain. You're saying yeah, we all like pain. That's that's the moral. That's the no, dang moral. Uh, the, uh, the 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 point is, it's a really fun world to collaborate mm-hmm. in, and and it, to me as somebody who's new to the game one i like the 5e rule set quite a bit there are some issues there are some like small issues i have with it every now and then um but they're pretty over they're overshadowed by a lot of the things i really like about it and again i'm not somebody who what knows many knows any other systems really i've read up some on some others but um i've never really run any others um but for me D- the thing about D is that it's it's such a different experience compared to anything mm. else. Like mm-hmm. there's, it, I can't quite just, it, it's just, there's an open-ended collaborativeness to it that nothing else can provide. Mm-hmm. Movies, obviously, books, they're linear. G- even games, you know, video games, which even ones that are based on RPG, like RPGs like uh, Elder Scrolls, you know, they have they have very specific rules in the way that they're coded. So you can't go that far outside the, the boundaries and really the sky's the limit. And it's actually kind of like a, a culture shock. It's hard to get into it and like like break your brain from that <laughs> linearity and say, no, like if your characters roll up into town and you throw something at them and they go in a completely opposite direction and they are now interested in overthrowing the government of this small town in Icewind Dale, shout outs to my, uh, shout outs to my group. Um, you know, you can roll with that, and it's it's now a game mechanic. So I, I think that's really fun. But anyway, getting to your original original point about the the rules and changing them and what that's going to be like, I think you're going to see a splinter splinter off of lots of people to different systems, um, because it's so popular. There, there, you know, there's so much coverage in the media now about it that there's going to be people who really like story driven stuff. Like I wouldn't be surprised if like the critical role people made an RPG that was more story focused. Mm. And oh, they probably will. Oh, a thousand percent. Somebody else, somebody else came out with another RPG system that was more crunchy. I mean, I'm, though I'm sure there are plenty of those exist today anyway. But something crunchier, but like D and D. It is interesting. I, I I read the rules, and the the thing again that is different and special about D and D is I have the fifth edition books. Right. So if they change something. We still have those books, and you still have those those character sheets that are physical that you can use. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to go to the new version, which I think is really cool. You can play the old game basically. But that being said, now I can understand the I'm gonna say curmudgeonness, but which isn't a real word. But the I can understand why people had their backs up when they were like th- like 3.5 people. Like for example, the the. The, the gentleman who's a fan of the show who DM'd the first campaign I was ever in with Tristan. Um, he came from 3.5, 3 and 3.5, and he's been playing his whole life too. 
And I remember when he started playing, he was like, oh, you guys want to run fifth? And he's like reading through the rules and he's like, oh, um, oh, um. Uh, wait a minute, wait so, a minute. Why do individual magic items not have specific costs? So why why would they do this? So I will say briefly yeah. the things with with with, uh, with third. Like what I like about third is the amount of just like customization and weird crunch oh, that yeah. you can do. What I love about oh, fifth yeah. is two two things. One, it fixes the skill system, which honestly in third is kind of broken. Um, and also it oh fixes. Oh my god! The- buying skill points in three was. Awful. No, it, it just basically allowed you, like, for instance, if you took what they said the perform check could do, you're summoning angelic figures at any time with, like, a basically upgraded magic item, um, you know, at very, very low levels. Like, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's like, basically the game became Brutal Legend if, if you allowed your PCs to do that. Um, like, it's, uh, um, no, it's, um, which is not the worst, but it's, like, it was funny. Uh, but, but, but no, I mean, and then, but but also that amount of crunch made the character creation took a long time. I love how fast character creation mm-hmm. is in fifth. I love that uh, army of goblins can kill you at any time. So I always like something that's crunchier on that front. Um, I'm not a big fan of how hard it is to die in fifth edition. I feel like a lot of like yeah. the danger of like going unconscious with like death Each- sit is 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 not as. Um, yeah, that each edition makes it harder to kill your players. Yeah, and and, and they have become arrogant and cocksure because of it. Right, and, and to me, <laughs> as someone who loves like horror elements and stuff, that's always, that's been a bit of a um, that's been a bit of a down. Uh, uh, that that's been something where like you know when I finally run a game in like fifth or whatever, I'm gonna have to perhaps mod and play around with it. So there's that. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that that's the probably the biggest thing. It's just like it's a lot harder to die, and you know, and it's also going back to the movie. I did appreciate the whole like you know, both the Red Wizard's blade thing, and just like you know, making it like difficult to bring, impo- basically impossible to bring his wife back because that's always been something that's kind of been an interesting kind of like um, story push and pull of stories that are set in the D and D universe. Mm-hmm. Or even ones that you're playing with is is that you know like death is real for everybody else but your pcs mm-hmm. with some exceptions there are um yeah. you know there are sometimes adventures where it's like oh so and so was resurrected or oh you know like the villain came back etc or oh so- you know it's it, uh that one where it's like you know if someone's dying of the, this disease that they won't be able to be resurrected Palpatine from has returned somehow what is it Palpatine had returned somehow. Yeah, but but it's like, but overall, it it is still weird to be in. Uh, it, it still is that. That's one of the things that's like always been into my head. Was interesting, like to play around with, like you know, why is death real for everyone else but your PCs? And then the solution is so, either to ignore an it, to that. make it real to you, um, uh, or make it real for your PCs, or just um, or just you know, not have resurrection, or or or, or have something that's an interesting thing. How do you solve that, Aramtris? So, so there was actually an answer to that. And ha- weirdly enough, the light novel series slash anime Overlord also uses this. Oh, nice. I heard Overlord. Uh, so great. in the old days, in the old days, being brought back cost you a, an entire level. Right. That you'd be brought back from the dead. Great. You've lost part of yourself. Right. To do this. It is a difficult process. 
which is why it doesn't work for everyone else. Because if you have to lose a level to be brought back, you can't bring back a level zero commoner. Right. Or even a level one person. If you bring back a level one, you're now level zero. You are now a mundane person. Right. Again. But then on the flip side, like, you know, why can't you bring back the king who's just been assassinated? You know, it's because like, he's a level because he's level zero. It's interesting. I, that, I mean, that, that that is that, that is a potential that there's been thing. It's and what Overlord does is it, is it touches on, look, if you are brought back, you lose a part of yourself. It's actually a really big kind of like plot point throughout it. But it also means that you can't even bring back a normal person. Mm-hmm. Something the that, only people who are yeah. eligible to be brought back are people who are already like a step above. Mm-hmm. People who are sort of almost divinely or innately empowered beyond the norm. Mm-hmm. No. For- and that for anyone else, if you bring them back, you bring them back as a puddle of sludge. Oh god. That is it's just return! That is... Oh God! Oh, it's in the carpet! Oh God! Somebody get him up! That's that's brutal. Is that a Spaceballs when they do that? Is that what I'm thinking of, or is that something else? I can't remember. Anyway, oh. uh, that's something else where they teleport and they're like a. Oh, it's a. Is it Galaxy, Galaxy Quest? Yeah. Whatever. Oh yeah, yes. that that is yeah. Galaxy Quest. Uh, I, I will say that, um, and also in terms of the movie and such that. I am very excited that, you know, this is happening in the D&D boom, that it did the job, and that now people, are, I think, are going to be interested in doing this kind of, like, light, <laughs> light breezy, poppy fantasy. Like, I like that. I like, because, oh, yeah. you know, Game of Thrones was clearly proof of concept that you can do, you know, Lord of the Rings was like, okay, people will accept big classic fantasy. Game of Thrones was like, okay, you can do a popular fantasy pro- well, property. You that, can do dark fantasy. You can do, I would say you can do fantasy that really only fantasy fans know about and normies will then like when they see it adapted on the screen. Mm-hmm. Because the thing with Lord of the Rings was is that, yes, it was huge that they made it happen, but Lord of the Rings is something that like people who are not specific fantasy fans have read, have, have likely read. You only read those, um, you only read A Song of Ice and Fire if you were a fantasy fan and it was unproven that fantasy that were and you know one of the reasons they sold it was like oh this is going to have lots of sex and violence etc and it's also cribbing from an excellent writer who also used to write for tv um it's mm-hmm. cool that they basically made what's really in many ways a very family-friendly movie that is able to sell like yeah people will actually like it enjoy a movie that's about people going on a fantasy adventure and then saving the day where you don't see boobs and uh and there's mm-hmm. not and there's not so, horrible amounts of disturbing murder. Um, so I'd like to put something for Barra for you and Dan to discuss. I'd like to put a like place a place a topic here on the table, if I may. Dan, Dungeons and Dragons would make for a better cinematic universe than Marvel. I disagree, and the only reason why I say I disagree is is that. Um, one, I think the, I think as much as it's, as much as people are player hating on it, I think the MCU is quite, is still quite good. Um, and I think that there's just been so many individual stories that talented people can riff and make their own and relevant in the MCU that you can't necessarily 
do with D and D. Like D and D is in many ways like the, the great stories in D and D are the ones you make with your own table. And so yes, you can like go and uh, tell more fantasy stories in there. But I think an interconnected. I guess what I'm saying is that like, would I like to see a lot more D and D movies? Absolutely. But I think making them an interconnected universe where like it's more of a mistake and it should really be about like you're seeing this party or this story etc because there's nothing that's really i felt and maybe i just need to read more r.i salvatore but um and i know we will get a drizzit movie because now this is of course fucking coming but like i just feel that at the end of the day what makes dnd cool is the sandbox and the ability for people to have different stuff and less classic old stories that you can riff on because again why do people love about D&D? They love about the riffs. Whereas that Marvel has some iconic storylines that people have done, and uh, so as, as does DC. And so it's just like a different thing. So I guess I wouldn't say better, but I would say very different. And uh, I hope they don't try to make it interconnected. What are your thoughts, Dan? Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't want to just say I agree, <laughs> but I... I... I, I I agree for the most part. I think there are some really cool stories in D and I will say, I think one of the problems that D and D has, at least for me, just looking from the outside looking in a little bit, is that the the characters and the worlds in D and D just aren't as interesting to people. Um, and I think that's why also people look towards other source material a lot of the time when they're running D and D, or they look for like other shows, like you know why is the world of Tal'Dorei with Critical Role so popular? Well, it's because it's cool and it's it's interesting and different. I don't know if that you would consider that part of the D&D cinematic universe, in which case now things are getting more interesting when you, when you can bring in other source material. Mm. Um, and there are certainly cool, different things. You know, you have like the Domains of Dread and, you know, the Shadowfell like with Strahd and those folks and you have other lighthearted things. Planescape, there's all sorts, all sorts of stuff. But I, I do agree. I think the the characters themselves in the Marvel Cinematic Universe are probably more interesting, and they, I, I would say more. There's more. Um, there's a bit better variety of of content probably too at the Marvel. That's not to say D and D would be bad. I just think Marvel is better. Yeah, I mean, and, and I will say that there are some cool. There is, especially. I mean, I'm a sucker for Planescape. I love mm -hmm. a Planescape style movie. It's just, I guess I'm saying like, I think it'd probably be, well, again, just to reemphasize that I think that both of them, I think both would be amazing, but I think both to succeed, both would, you'd have to do vastly different approaches. I was wondering, what are your thoughts, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Tris? So I've heard this put forward, this idea put forward, and I sort of actually agree with the idea that D&D might make for a better cinematic universe than Marvel. Because, hmm. mainly because Marvel almost has an end point, mm -hmm. where, which is kind of what it's running into right now. Is it's like, okay, you've dealt with Thanos. Now what? Well, okay, now I guess we got to bring in the multiverse. But the problem is you got to keep one-upping. And you also have to keep asking... Well, okay, why isn't Thor showing up and helping out, right? What's Captain America doing during all this? Or, you know, when you have all these, like, side stories, you kind of have to juggle, like, why aren't other characters always taking part? Whereas with D&D, &D, not only do you have Faerun, 
you know, you've got the Forgotten Realms setting, which is what we got in the first series, in this first movie. But you've got a ton of other settings, other worlds, other locations in that world, other timelines in those worlds. Like, you could do a Drizzt series, or hell, a Drizzt trilogy of movies that never has to reference Honor Among Thieves. Right. Until you want it to. Right. Oh. You could do a whole you could do a whole Spelljammer series. Mm-hmm. Thus begins the adventures of the SS <laughs> the SS Errant Venture to seek out strange new planes to find new and interesting civilizations and to boldly go where no elf has gone before. Who the fuck just hit us? It is, it is I! <laughs> the Mind Flayer Pirate blah 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 Damn you! <laughs> I mean, right? I, I definitely agree with you that um, there is that that the that some of the problems of power creep just aren't necessarily going to come into and into just like you know the fan, a fantasy play box of D and D stories simply because you know again there are big bads, but you know you can do a whole sto- series of stories like you know Ocean's Eleven style. Like with Honor Among Thieves, oh, yeah. where you're never really fighting some of the biggest and ba- biggest bads, oh, no. and even if you do mess with the big bads, it's just like it's, I don't know. Like there's definitely, yeah. In terms of like, if you have the internal logic of why aren't why isn't X or Y coming, there's it's a big multiverse. There's a lot of crazy shit. There's gods in this. It'll you know it'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Um, I will yeah I will say that like I think that what Marvel's doing at the moment is is that they're basically just they're doing what the comics have done, which is, is that it's like, okay, we've done this one event. Now we're setting up another event, etc. And you know, that's, that's the nature of, that's the nature of comics. And I would argue if they stick it, which I think they will, the nature of the MCU, like it's a, uh, like, you know, end game was this big endpoint for a lot of people. Um, but you know, if like, if it's the strength of Marvel has always been telling different stories and giving different artists the time to shine with different characters, and I think it was smart. I I think that they may, I think they need to keep Tony Stark firmly dead. They will. He, there will be some kind of multiverse cameo from Robert Downey Jr. at some point. Um, but like the more they can, like the more death actually happens, and then they move on with other characters, the better the long term prospects are oh, for Marvel. Definitely. And oh, definitely. So, don't get me wrong. And, that, and so, but but yeah, but I do agree that. The, the 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 pathway there is potentially a lot more interesting also because i mean you know superhero logic also does have its certain constraints in terms of both like killing and deference to authority etc that you don't have to have in a D movie like you can just be like you know yeah we can kill the bad guy because he's the bad guy um and also we don't have to defer to authorities because we're adventurers we do whatever the fuck we want Nice. Um, I have a question for. Oh, go ahead. For you guys, which is, did you learn? Uh, you got and you you all have been have more experience with D anD D than I have. But did you learn anything, introspectively or otherwise, about playing or DMing from the movie? So what was that? Not. Uh, I would say not really. For me, it was a fun watch. 
but it was, like I said, it, I found it fairly predictable in terms of story structure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I did like the so there were a few really good moments that, that a few moments I really really liked. Uh, one of them was uh when the uh when the sorcerers and the red wizards like when they're mid-boss and his pack show up and they're on that little dock by the river mm-hmm. and I thought of, oh hey that's where we rode the dead crocodile to yeah because <laughs> that takes place in Neverwinter that's how we got that's how our party got there um that 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 was one really fun moment um <clears throat> did you guys spot the reference to the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon I did not. I did. There was a, the, the, the little kid with the axe. No, no, no. Not just the little kid with the axe. The entire party is there. Oh, you're talk. Are you talking about the um in the uh the the labyrinth? Yeah. Scene? Yeah. Yeah. One of the other ad- adventuring parties going like playing the games. Yeah. Are all of the characters? From the old Dungeons and Dragons animated series, which I also firmly place on my peg of why am I attracted to redheads? Oh, that's partly okay. why. I uh, I have not seen this animated <laughs> series, so it is not good. Uh, they fight Tiamat in the first episode. <laughs> the first episode, it's, there's fucking Tiamat in the. Did they beat Tiamat in the first episode? Well, they sort of lock it away for a bit. Oh dear. Yeah, it is. Is yeah, it's not good. It's so. really not. I cannot recommend staying away from it far enough. But from those of who, who have seen it, it was a. I know those guys. They're losers. Hey. They would get chewed up by any modern proper campaign. Um, Barry, did you learn anything? I don't think I necessarily learned anything per se in terms of DMing, but it definitely in terms of like movies and such. Like I, I think that it's um, what I really appreciated about it is that uh, I think that I loved that it's a movie that really like just leaned into the light side of things while at the same time being able to give you pathos, like. I thought that was yeah. pretty perfect. And yes, other movies have done this as well, too. People have said that this is, I think, uh, my favorite Craig's movie that I'll talk about that's kind of used like the Guardians of the Galaxy formula. Um, yeah. But yeah. it worked. And I appreciated that not only did it, was it, did it lean into lightness, but unlike Guardians, it's actually leaned into sweetness as well, which is why I think of also guys. Mm-hmm. Like, not only is it jokey and stuff, but like, you feel like these fo- the folks are like genuinely like you know genuinely kind people at the heart of things which is which is nice it's nice to have a story about like an adventuring party of kind people who are trying to get by and really just trying to reunite with their uh, and really trying to you know like do do good things in a in 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 a in a shitty and dangerous world it felt nice mm-hmm. that that's i i that that sweetness was something i really appreciated the one thing I will so I, definitely yeah, steal from this, it was was so what I will definitely steal from this, um, 
is the one the one part of the movie that had me in fucking stitches. Um, which was the scene with the illusion, where they yeah. create the illusionary copy of Edgin, and as as he's losing concentration, it starts skipping and repeating, and then just melting and deforming. So, I'm glad you said that because that is the big takeaway I took from this this movie, as far as like DMing or playing, is that I could do a better job of describing the the state of things based on success or failure mm-hmm. and that's one of the perfect examples of it the other one that speaks to me is the attunement of the helmet yeah that simon goes through and how baked into the lore of his his history it was and how much time they spent on that like that 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 was the big takeaway from a play and dm perspective is like yeah. i could probably do a better job of really contextualizing like that role it's it's um, the sort of thing that i would save for attuning to artifacts yeah yeah you know not necessarily like your regular mundane yeah. or well not mundane but like yeah quote unquote run-of-the-mill magic item but i think for an artifact attuning to it should be something like that yeah so the other thing i learned from this movie that i didn't know was one the the prison they're at at the beginning and at the very end uh, is called Rebel's End. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a prison. It's in the campaign I'm running now, which is an Icewind Dale campaign, of course. Yep. So it gave me a good description of what that place looks like because it, it helped me out a lot. But the funny, the interesting thing I didn't know is they invented that prison for the movie. Mm-hmm. But because the movie got delayed, seemingly because of COVID or other reasons, the book the campaign book actually came out before the movie, even though they invented the prison for, for the, movie. the movie. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. That is, that is absolutely, that is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So I was like, Oh my God, I couldn't believe that. I was like, this is great. And now I have a, now I have context anyway. That's that. Yeah. No, no, that's uh, that's great. And yeah, the, the, the soup cube that you may have heard in the background was, uh, uh, my girlfriend picked up, so I always got to do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I I think that it's um, I really the thing that the best thing that I think can come out of this in general, in addition to you know opening up new kinds of fantasy stories, is that really I would love it if just a bunch of kids when they saw this they're like, oh, I want to play D and D, and then they like you know pick up and start playing like Chris Pine's character or Helga's character. And you know, and then they start the hobby because I really do think it's can be. It's like I think it's very beneficial to um, to people in general. Just you know, especially in a world that's oftentimes disconnected and not in person, and doesn't necessarily encourage mm-hmm. you to be creative, especially in a collaborative manner. So um, it was great for me as a kid, um, and uh, I hope that this helps. It makes it easier for other folks to get into that hobby. Which leads me to here's my downer segment okay so for pre uh for context i was born in seattle grew up there and left when i was very very young to come here to the east coast a family friend who was there when i was born is one of the original illustrators for magic the gathering and was one of the primary develop, like heads of development for the Weatherlight Saga. I have every single volume of the Duelist magazine. 
He gave me my first set of dice when I was four. I still have those dice. I have D&D books older than myself from back when TSR handled it. I have played Magic the Gathering since Revised Edition came out. It is important, I think, at this point to remember where the D&D community and also the Magic the Gathering community was just like two, three months ago with a near almost boycott of all Wizards mm. of the Coast products. Mm. It's really important not to forget, and I hate saying this, as someone for whom Wizards of the Coast products were a huge part of my upbringing, that we need to remember that not that long ago, Wizards of the Coast attempted to completely screw over every third-party person who has contributed to this world. No, and I, I think that's incredibly valid. And yeah, what they tried to do right. with the license was um, was not good. Um, monstrous. It was monstrous. It was absolutely monstrous. I glad. I loved how the community rallied to rallied against it. Yes. And I think we honestly have the the D and D movie to thank for the surrender because I've heard this theory, and then I was like, okay, yeah, that's what happened. That they wanted to keep yep. the they wanted this movie to be a hit. They knew that they couldn't have their core community boycotting their movie be- <laughs> oh, yeah. like that's what would you know that's what would have happened that's what fucking did they, they would have been like they could have their core community be like yeah no we're not going to support wizards fuck them let's go play pathfinder um yeah. <laughs> well and, and just like take their big fucking investment uh so no i think that was basically hasbro got greedy and they're like yeah we we're gonna fuck with the movie stuff give the weird nerds what they want um which yep. is a long-time competitive Magic player. That's pretty common, too, as well. Although, I will say, like, it's on the good space in terms of, like, player development and stuff, etc. I have been very happy that Magic is, like, co- consistently like, yeah, no, we have trans characters here. Fuck off um, if you have a problem with that. Uh, except for that whole... Except for those whole anniversary packs. Those thousand dollars for three boosts. Oh, oh no, no! Everything in terms of money you can't is even shitty. Use. So the, oh, the yeah. money stuff is shitty. I'm just saying they've been good about oh, representation so. um, in the get in the lore and the cards, etc. That's been great. Uh, but yeah, no, they've uh, in terms. There's been a lot of predatory money stuff, um, for sure. Oh, yeah. At the cost of a lot of the creative stuff, and I, I hate to burst some bubbles, but it's been like that for a long time. Yeah, no, I mean, Wizards yeah. is, uh, if you want to give your money to, like, a company that's really cool and also unionized and has done it, and also has just some great old nerd DNA, Paizo, that makes Pathfinder and Starfinder, does a lot of cool stuff. And uh, I happily bought a Starfinder book, um, because we're going to be doing a campaign with them with that the high school group soon, and that was great. Um, Space! Yeah, and it's awesome. But, you know, and I will say yeah. that Wizards... Wizards is not at Wizards and even Hasbro are not in the scope of companies are not evil by any means. And right now I don't feel uncomfortable buying their products, but as Tris rightly pointed out, they're still a big corporation. Um, they're not a bunch of weird nerds uh, making products in Wisconsin anymore. And some of that's good. No. I think that the expansion out of it as a corporation has made, has really helped with a lot of kind of like that representation stuff. And, 
putting forward the better, more inclusive side of nerd culture. But on the flip side, they're still grubby capitalists. So, you know, never forget that. Right. That being said, I also encourage everyone, if this seems like a fun thing for you to do, D&D, yes, is kind of the baseline. Like, it is yeah. the brand name. It is the band-aid of video games. Yeah. Or of, of table of tabletop RPGs, right? Not video games. What the hell am I thinking? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's, well, it's like starting with Mario, right? Or Zelda, right. and then graduating to a whole bunch of other indie games and other, and other things that interest and, you more. But you have that foundation exactly. that and it's everybody knows And, and it's fine to still love Mario and Zelda, etc. Right. But... I think I probably, but um, I but I, I think I'm agreeing with maybe what Chris is going to like, you know, use the opportunity to also play other games. Like, I don't think that yeah, people should are... stop graduate away from D and D. I think it's a great game to play, etc. But play other games too. You'll have a lot of fun. Yeah, we are right now in a renaissance for other systems, for and not just for RPGs. Um. So, so the whole the whole fiasco with their updated license sparked a huge interest and resurgence of other systems for tabletop RPGs. Also, a whole bunch of folks recently have, or in the last few years, have boycotted uh, Games Workshop and have rediscovered BattleTech of all things. For those of you who are maybe a little older or don't know Tabletop Battletech, if I say the words Mech Warrior and Timberwolf and Clan Wolf or Clan Jade Falcon, and if those spark little pizza for your memory in it, that's still a thing and is still going on. So my, my appeal to all of you, all of you listening, who are maybe new to Tabletop RPGs, Yes, D&D is the like mainline staple. They are the easiest ones to find a group of. They, it may not be the best system for you. It may not be the best system for the game you type of game you want to play. Thankfully, you have a wealth of options out there. And if you want to dip your toes, go right ahead. If you want to go with the mainline thing, they'll get you players in a party. That's cool too because you need folks. You need people. Because none of us can do this alone. Well, we could. That's just, but that would just be really sad. <laughs> oh God, that's a really depressing image I just came up with. It's just one guy at a table with different character sheets, and he's DMing, and he just sits in each chair to beat no. each player. Oh no. God, that's so depressing to think about. No. Oh God. Well. Oh, that's so great. I think the moral of the story is play RPGs. Play RPGs. Give them a shot. I think you'll like Do them. it, nerds. Um, Vera did have to step away. He, he yep. has to go do things like fly planes. and Well, he's not actually flying the planes. That would be bad. But he's getting in planes and other things. Yep, so he's going off um, on, a, on a big old adventure. Vera, good luck. Try not to lose all of your money at the casino. <laughs> <laughs> But it's been a lot of fun talking to to, to, to you, Tristan, and you, Barra. Um, so, uh, are there are there any other final thoughts you have on the D and D movie before we adjourn? 
I was cool. It was cool to see a Displacer Beast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that. That was a nice pull of all the things. Yeah. I also I also liked how they used uh its its spiny tentacles as like projectors. That, yep. that was a kind of a really cool way of, of doing it. I like that. That was neat. <laughs> that goes back to my comment earlier about contextualizing actions in the mm -hmm. game. Like another that was another scene where I was like, oh my god, like. I think I'd do a better job of explaining things like that or making up why things are happening the way they're happening. But I agree, that was an awesome scene and an awesome creature to see. Um, very cool. Tristan, do you uh, do you have anything you want to promote today? Uh, I've Other already talked about Icon and made it appeal to yes. try out new, strange new uh, game systems. So I think I'll leave it there. Cool. Yeah, and I'll put links in the show notes again um, for those that are listening and want to learn more information. I'll put a link to the D&D stat blocks. Um, we are slowly but surely marching our way towards episode number 100. Oh, my God. We got to do something special for that. We do. I, I don't know what that is, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, uh, as, as we head on that journey to 100, you can find us and all of the other 97 episodes on... Um, Eh, maybe more than 97 i did we eh, th there were some that were not numbered but i feel like we still numbered them in our minds anyway i think we still numbered there, them in our minds there's a there's a there's a collection of of podcasts um uh, to listen to you can hear them on all your favorite channels like apple podcasts um google play podcasts spotify, spotify. uh you can even get an rss feed or um check them out on our website spoilermedia.net slash spoilercast um or just literally the front page the very top of the page because that's our thing um so yeah check that oh, out actually i just realized there is one other thing i do want to shout out yeah uh this is it's very small. I'm not sure how many people who listen to us will appreciate it. Um, but I do want to give a big shout out and congratulations to uh, Patrick Boyvin, a.k.a. Pat Stares At, and his lovely life, wife, Peach Saliva, um, who are going to be parrots. Which is nuts. For those of you who don't know... Um, Pat stares at is part was part of a group of of YouTubers way 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 back when called the Super Best Friends, aka the Best Friends Zaibatsu, a group of Canadian gamers uh, who are who were and remain one of my favorite group of content creators. And now one of them's having a kid, and I'm just like, really? Really? Re sex for reproduction? In this economy? <laughs> yeah. So, so congratulations. Uh, congratulations, Pat and Paige. Know that I doubt you'll ever hear this, but if you do, a longtime fan just wants to say congrats. <laughs> nice. Wholesome. Wholesome, in fact. Alrighty. Well, with that in mind, and with that happy news... What would you do for tonight? But till next time, episode 99 of the spoiler cast. Have a good night. Have a good play night. an RPG. Saying I owe you. Cook it as you go.